Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Kevin Bessler. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about a House GOP public safety group and their proposals to fight crime in Illinois. A Senate bill that could be heard in an Illinois House committee that would restrict the sale of prepackaged explosive components some use for target practice. And Illinois' request of the EPA to be allowed to sell E15 gasoline year-round. Center Square publisher Chris Krug will join executive editor Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Kevin Bessler. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the Center Square's reporting zeroes in on state authorities publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. The Center Square gives power to the taxpayer by tracking politicians' use of the people's money and demanding transparency from state-run agencies. This is how the Center Square equips you, the American taxpayer, to hold your state government accountable. Sign up now for your state's Center Square newsletter at thecentersquare.com. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Kevin Bessler. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Some Republican lawmakers have introduced a large package of bills they say will help keep Illinoisans safe. The House GOP Public Safety Group began meeting in January. Some of the measures change parts of the Controversial Safety Act, including reinstating cash bail statewide. State Representative Dennis Tipsord, a chief deputy for the Woodford County Sheriff's Department, says Illinois has gotten far away from holding those accountable who commit crimes and victimize our citizens. If we don't change course now, we may never recover. In fact, I argue the damage already done will take a generation to correct. We have conditioned criminals to believe that there are no consequences for acting out. This must change. The group says the bills fall into three categories, including protecting victims of crime, the Real Pretrial Fairness Act, and recruitment and retention of law enforcement officers. The Illinois Legislative Audit Commission met with members of the Department of Health Services and the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority to provide updates on expected changes. Andrew Hensel has that story. The Criminal Justice Information Authority was asked about accounting issues, site visits, and other issues and what they are currently doing to fix the issues listed in the audit. State Rep. Fred Crespo asked what was occurring during these site visits. What's the purpose of those site visits? And number two, I believe uh, a response from the agency was that the agency feels that this is an ambitious site visit policy. Executive Director Del Reese Adams says they set up site visits for newer facilities, but staffing issues have held them back. If it's a new grant agency, we will do a site visit within the first year of a contract. If it's an agency that has had ICJA funding over a period of time, then that agency is down the pipeline in terms of their site visit. The Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority is a state agency dedicated to improving the administration of criminal justice. I'm Andrew Hensel. A Senate bill that could be heard in an Illinois House committee would restrict the sale of prepackaged explosive components some use for target practice. Greg Bishop reports. State Senator Julie Morrison said her bill would limit the sale of such products from only licensed firearms dealers to those with firearm owner ID cards. After the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park, law enforcement found large quantities of tannerite in the shooter's home. Morrison did not mention the suspect in the Highland Park shooting had a valid FOID card and could have purchased such explosives even if her bill was in place. Republican State Senator Neil Anderson said people with evil intentions will still do evil things regardless of the law. The person that wants to do bad things with this, even if you outlaw tannerite completely, the brand name, you just need to get aluminum shavings and fertilizer, and we can't outlaw that. The measure could be up for final passage in the House in the week ahead. I'm Greg Bishop. 
An Illinois Farming Association believes the Fuel Association's fears of selling E15 gasoline year-round are unfounded. Illinois and seven other states are petitioning the EPA to allow them to opt out of a federal waiver in hopes of increasing E15 gasoline sales. Patrick Kelly with the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers says eliminating the waiver could lead to gas shortages. This increased reliance on distant refineries makes the entire region more susceptible to supply disruption. Rod Weinzerl, executive director of the Illinois Corn Growers Association, says this can work because of the number of states involved. What makes us different is Illinois is a big gasoline user. We have a big population and you have Iowa and other some other adjacent states wanting to do this. The EPA will likely make their decision this summer, and if the opt-out is approved, implementation for producers and retail gas stations will begin for 2024. Those are the top stories of the week from Illinois. Find out more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, Center Square publisher Chris Krug will join executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Kevin Bessler. Freedom and liberty are important to all of us in Illinois, from Rockford to Carbondale, from Quincy to Decatur. If you're looking for civil, intellectual conversations with those shaping the future of freedom, try the Future of Freedom podcast with me, Scott Bertrand. We speak with leaders across the country in the greater conservative and libertarian movements. In-depth conversations about where the next intellectual battles will happen across the country. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois editor and senior Springfield reporter, has the day off. So joining me today is the president of the Franklin News Foundation and publisher of the Center Square, making his long-anticipated return to Illinois in Focus, the one and only Chris Krug. Dan, what's happening? Great to be here. Great to be back. Well, I know you've had several listeners asking about you, so uh, welcome back. Yeah, several listeners have been concerned about my welfare and well-being, and I'm great. Working on some other things nationally, but it's always Illinois is where I live, and and, uh, it's a state that I probably know the best, so... Let's have at it, man. We are recording this on Thursday, April 27th, Chris. We are just about three weeks away from the May 15th end of the 2023 Illinois legislative session. While Governor J.P. Pritzker outlined his budget proposal back in February, we haven't seen a proposed budget from Democratic lawmakers just yet. What do you make of it? From what we've seen, it's business as usual. You know, last year uh, when the budget was, you know, ultimately delivered, it was trotted out, I believe, like on a Tuesday afternoon. And then signed into law uh, over the weekend. So 4,000 pages in a matter of a few days. I was trying to do some quick math on that. You know, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of hours of reading to be able to pile through a uh, a document like that. And, you know, it, it's it's almost, you know, reminiscent of what, you know, Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House, said about we have to sign the bill to find out what's in it, which, you know, doesn't lend itself well to the idea of transparency. And that's been a massive problem in Illinois for a very long time. Yeah, this is nothing new. Your term business as usual in Springfield is exactly correct. Republicans who have been in the minority, the super minority in the legislature every year complain about the last minute budget drop, knowing that they and even their Democratic colleagues on the other side of the aisle, there's no, they have no chance to read the budget, yet they cast votes for it. Almost every year, the Democratic majority, they all vote for it. Republicans vote against it, complaining that how can we pass a budget 
that we haven't had a chance to read. We don't know what's in it. And usually after the budget passes in the days and even weeks, because it's such a massive bill, we find out new things that are in the budget that no one brought to the public's attention. And it's not just lawmakers that haven't a chance to read it. It's taxpayers. It's the voting public. They don't know what they're getting until weeks after the budget passes. To put it into terms that I think people should consider, when Governor Pritzker took office, the state's budget was about $41 billion a year. The proposal that he had put forth you know, at the state of the state and, and preliminary budget address, the start of the legislative session, $49.6 billion. So you're talking about a 20% expansion in expense for the operation of the state of Illinois in a matter of five years. And so that in and of itself requires some level of explanation, in my opinion, to the public. Simply, you know, what is it that we're paying for or being asked to pay for? Who's going to pay for it? And through what financial instrumentation within the state's tax and fee uh, initiatives, you know, how are we going to get to the end? I fear that we're going to find out before the public has any opportunity to have a conversation about any of this, which to go back to what I originally said is the business as usual aspect of this process. There's there's about $3 billion in new spending in this year's budget proposal from the governor. Now, of course, we've said we, we haven't seen what lawmakers are proposing, but just for some perspective, last year, Governor Pritzker proposed about a $46 billion budget and lawmakers added on top of that to the budget they passed last year. So the $49.6 billion could actually grow when we actually see lawmakers their own pro- budget proposal. Republicans are saying that essentially uh, Governor Pritzker in his budget proposal is using one-time federal bailout money from COVID-19 relief spending to prop up his budget. Those one-time dollars aren't going to be here next year or the year after that or the year after that. So if we were to maintain even a budget at $49.6 billion, how are we going to pay for it when there's no COVID relief money, federal COVID relief money left to pay for it? Republicans are warning that you know maybe that doesn't mean tax increases uh, this year. But next year, if we're going to spend the same amount of money, not more, the same amount of money as as Pritzker wants to spend this year, it's going to have to result in tax increases. Yeah. I mean, I I think that my overriding concern is that this sets up the state of Illinois and the citizens of Illinois to be boxed into, you know, the progressive tax plan that was brought forward uh, by ballot measure. Uh, was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. 2020. That, that the, or three years ago now, I guess, you know, the, right. So it was in 2020 that Illinois voters resoundingly said no to. 10%. But, I mean, by, by, by more than 10% of the vote. Right. And so, you know, you know, he, what, what options are we going to be left with? I mean, if we can't get spending under control and, and, and I mean, you know, there are, I'm sure, you know, as we like span across the center square and look at some of the more fiscally uh, conservative states where budgets have been reined in and where, and, you know, as you just said, you know, they've looked at the COVID money that came in as um, what it was, which was surplus, you know, not that's not business as usual. The federal government is not going to fill the gap for the state of Illinois. So this 
giant pair of fat pants that we've, uh, you know, uh, built for ourselves, we're going to have to fill that out with our own fat. That's what Republicans are saying. And really, when you look at the the logistics of it, that is what's going to have to happen unless Governor Pritzker comes back next year and proposes a lower budget. But guess what? In every year of his five years in office, spending his spending proposals only go up and the budget that the legislature passes only goes up. So it's unreasonable to think uh, that Governor Pritzker and, and there's also also concerns about a, a looming uh, recession. Um, coming, which which generally leads to um, tax revenue declines um, over a significant significant period of time. With with um, with the government stimulus uh, packages during COVID nineteen, of course, everybody got what two three stimulus checks. Um, mm-hmm. um, well, not everybody. Uh, a lot of people did. A lot but of not people, every, but not everybody did. And as a result, yeah, I mean, and if you if you accordioned your lifestyle, you know, to 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 like blow through that money. Um, I mean, I think you've learned on the downside of that, that not a great plan. I mean, if you, if you made some sort of adjustment on a, you know, on a, on a debt, like bought a new car or you bought a new house or, you know, whatever you might've done with that stimulus money, um, you may have bought yourself into something that you ultimately can't afford. And, and I, I think that where this breaks down for Illinois taxpayers is, they don't have a say in it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that this administration and, 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 and this legislature is making decisions for the whole that are going to badly affect those who can pay and expand services, obviously, for those who wouldn't be so able to pay and maybe asked to pay nothing. And, and I, I view that as problematic and not necessarily the right direction for the state of Illinois. Couple of real quick uh, matters related to specifically to the budget. Um, Governor Pritzker's budget proposal um, looks to spend uh, ten billion dollars to pay down pensions, pension debt. Uh, that's more than twenty percent of the budget. So more than twenty percent of, of, of Pritzker's proposed budget goes not to provide services to Illinois residents, to but to pay down to pay off um, retired uh, Illinois government workers. We've known pension the the state's pension debt, which is at least one hundred and forty billion dollars. Some actually um, who look at more reasonable, for example, returns on investment, say it's closer to two hundred billion dollars. There's been nothing this legislative session to reform um, the state's uh, 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 underfunded pension system. Any any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, tw- what is it? Twenty-four cents of every dollar now that gets collected in in uh, taxes and, and fees by the state of Illinois goes, goes to pay existing pension debt and the legislature uh, and this administration. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, it's, it's hyperbolic to say that they've done nothing to address that. I think in fact, it is true that they've done nothing specifically to address that. And this doesn't, you know, this budget in, in, in plan simply because of the size of it doesn't, necessarily address anything to do with with that issue either and and 10 billion dollars I mean that's a great number to throw out there that almost sounds like campaign fodder you know we you know we 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 you know we made a 10 billion dollar uh payment you know to address our our pension problems except we didn't fix the problem we just threw 
more tax revenue from the people from the state of Illinois into the sinkhole. Exactly right. I want to touch on one more budgetary issue before we have to move on, Um, Chris. One relatively new thing um, to the budget this year, Illinois has declared itself a sanctuary state. Um, Of course, we know um, some border states like the state of Texas, Governor Abbott, the the governor of Texas, has um, where the border crisis is just overwhelming. Um, the, The state budget and human service agencies and whatnot has bust um, illegal immigrants to the state of Illinois and other um, uh, sanctuary cities um, across the country. Well, Illinois has decided to pay for the health care um, uh, for these these folks who are in the country illegally. And Republicans uh, this month um, uh, put out a warning that it's costing this. It, it could cost the state billions of dollars a year in paying for this uh, this health care, and that, of course, will only add. Um, to the burden that Illinois taxpayers face. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, of course, in, you know, in Illinois, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue. And, and the, the way that we would be addressing that would be to create um, what amounts to be, you know, a, a division of, of care specifically for these people um, that we, that we, we can't afford. I mean, we, we can't afford to care for the people that we have inside of the state of Illinois exactly. I mean, in, in, a, in the ways that government, you know, could and, and should. And, and, and in fact, I mean, we've had conversations in the past on Illinois in focus about just how rich uh, the benefits are, you know, in the state for those who don't work, don't contribute, you know, meaningfully to the tax base of the state. And what you're going to do is you're going to add to that. And when you take on the responsibility of caring for, you know, at the last count, it was 108,400 per our reporting undocumented immigrants who are needing care inside of the state of Illinois. That's a massive burden to lay on the taxpayers. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on, Chris. We will, I'm sure, at Illinois in Focus and at thecentersquare.com over the coming weeks be talking a lot more about the state budget, particularly when once when we finally get to see it, probably, you know, three three weeks from from today, because that's just the way the state house works. I want to remind listeners that we are recording this on Thursday, April 27th. Jurors are now in their third day of deliberations in the ComEd 4 trial, where uh, former ComEd executives and lobbyists are accused of providing bribes in the form of lucrative do-nothing jobs and other perks to longtime former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan in exchange for his support of legislation that proved to be lucrative to the state's largest utility. Jurors do have a lot to unpack, having to decide on every single charge against every single defendant. Chris, Greg Bishop and I have discussed this trial pretty much every week on Illinois in Focus for the past month and a half. I know you've been following our coverage of the trial at thecentersquare.com. I'm just interested in your perspective. You know, I think that the people in Illinois want a clean and clear resolution to this proceeding. I mean, that, that would be the, the only thing that I, that I would, that I would hope for. Um, not an outmaneuvering, you know, inside of our legal system, but some conclusivity and, and, you know, an, an end to this. I mean, I, I think what's on, what's on trial here is the culture of corruption inside the state of Illinois. And would this case, which would be the most significant of its kind in, well, since the Blagojevich 
era is the state of Illinois, um, you know, through this judicial process, um, is this where corruption comes to an end? And, and will the will the the penalties associated with this, um, provided you know that there is a you know a, a guilty finding inside the many counts, would that be enough to end it? And, and we we shall see. I mean, I don't think that the average Illinoisan, honestly, they don't care uh, about the outcome because they're never going to be paid back. They were ripped off the entire. They were ripped off the entire time. In the way of rate right. hikes from ComEd uh, for right. his legislation that passed, yeah. Right. I mean, there's not there's not going to be any there's there's not going to be any meaningful restoration of the of the additional dollars that you know that we paid on our you know on our our, our power bills. Um, but you know, will this trial end in such a way that it says to those people who are in legislative positions and in positions of power or in positions of um, uh, close association uh, with the government and in, in what amounts to be a government regulated business. Will this be the end of corruption in Illinois? I, that, I think that that's what most people, you know, are looking at this, not the necessarily the details of it, not the personalities of it. Although, you know, when you have a former house speaker, that's kind of, you know, overshadowing this entire proceeding, it, it's hard to not make it about, you know, the 30 year reign, 30 plus year reign that former speaker Mike Madigan had. But this is just a precursor to what might be coming his way uh, in 2024. Yeah, Madigan not on trial this time, but he uh, does face trial in the spring of 2024, along with one of the defendants in this the current case, uh, Michael McLean, his longtime um, uh, associate and uh, closest confidant, so to speak. Um, uh, in their closing arguments, I thought this was interesting. Um, uh, uh, the prosecutors labeled the four defendants here, along with uh, Madigan, the grand masters of corruption in a state where uh, three of what the last five or six governors um, have spent time in jail. That's really saying something about the the, the, the accusations against these four ComEd principals and uh, uh, Michael Madigan. Any thoughts there? I, I what well, I, I want to compliment you know you and the and the folks in the newsroom that have co- that have covered this story before it got to trial and then certainly through the coverage of the trial because I think that we have done something very important and that's make the complexities of the alleged scheme and the testimony um, very relatable and understandable to anybody who would have an interest in the ability to read. And I mean, that's the most important fundamental thing that, you know, the center square seeks to do is to dewonkify the news, to make uh, things that, you know, in theory, go over the heads of the average citizen because they're just busy trying to make this money that's ultimately going to be going to a power company or going to the state of Illinois. They want to just understand what the heck is going on. And I think that you guys have done a fine fine job with that. The jury is going to make the decisions that they're going to make. Um, or, or, and, and the, and really the, the one outlier, uh, that might, might not be an outlier is that we wind up with a hung jury simply because of the complexities of all of this and the testimony that the, that the jury itself has heard. 
and listeners can read the conclusion of the trial, what happens there at the centersquare.com. Well, Chris, thank you again for joining us. Your insights are always uh, welcome, uh, but that's all the time we have. For Chris Krug, I'm Dan McCaleb. Please subscribe and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.